Welcome to the Relentless Minds podcast with Lori Jimenez, a platform where influential entrepreneurs get real and share their stories of challenges in life that they've had to face head on and conquer in order to be where they are today. Here, you'll get an inside look at the adversities that these individuals have experienced or are currently dealing with, in addition to their opinions on real life matters and philosophies in life. Most importantly, you'll learn what it takes to have a relentless mind so that you too can stay headstrong in your pursuit of a better future. In this podcast, you're going to get 100% authenticity from people that have figured out how to beat the noise that society creates and have a higher level of self-mastery. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Relentless Minds podcast. Today I have with me Daisy Torres. Daisy faced a very difficult challenge early on in life. She became a mother at the young age of 16. Coming from a family that worked very hard to make ends meet, Daisy was devastated that she might not be able to get ahead in life and pursue the career she had always dreamt of, that of becoming an architect. Today, Daisy shares her story of her early life and humble beginnings, the experience she went through being a teenage mom, and how she beat the statistics for teenage moms getting a formal education and worked very hard to get herself through school and achieve her dream. Hi, Daisy. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're going to be here today to share your story about how you beat the statistic of women or young women that become teenage mothers and getting their formal education, getting their life together, you know, getting a great career. And you did all of this for yourself and for your daughter. And for that, I admire you. And I'm so happy you're going to tell us how you were able to manage that. Oh, thank you so much. It actually, to be honest with you, it was very hard for me for a long time to kind of share my story with others. And, you know, I used to almost be ashamed of that past. And, um, you know, I've, I've definitely surpassed that now. And I, I see that actually sharing my story with others could inspire other young women to see that, you know, this can be done. So that's why I'm very happy to be able to be here today and just talk about it. Yeah, that's perfect. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Because the things that are kept in silence are many times the things that need to be heard, that people need to hear. So I want to start by just having you tell us about the, the beginning, like your family, your life. I know that you were raised first in North Miami, right? And so how was that family setting back then? So um, both my parents uh, were first immigrants here in, my, in uh, the States. Uh, they moved uh, from Costa Rica um, at a very young age. My dad moved here when he was like 16, 17 years old. Um, he moved to a predominantly Hispanic uh, community. So it was very challenging for him to learn English um, and just kind of integrate into uh, American life. Um, so my parents got married very young. Uh, I believe my parents, uh, I think they were like 19 years old at the time and they had us very young. So, um, you know, they, it was very challenging for them to, um, go to college. My dad, um, got into the roofing industry and he, um, you know, he has been actually still working as a roofer for the last uh, 30 plus years. So, um, my mom was a stay at home mom. She, uh, we didn't have any luxuries, um, you know, but my, my parents felt um, at the time that it was important for my mom to be home. And uh, they also couldn't afford, uh, you know, childcare 
costs and things like that. So um, it was kind of a, you know, bit of a sacrifice for my mom to be home. But um, I think they, at the moment, they thought that was kind of the best decision for, for them. Um, so we grew up in North Miami in a, a humble, like two bedroom home. Um, I have a, a younger brother and an older sister. So the three of us would share one bedroom. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't have any luxuries. My parents, um, you know, made a lot of sacrifices for us growing up. Um, I would recall my parents buying uh, their clothes at the thrift shop to be able to have um, enough money to buy us our clothes for the year for school. Um, just things of that nature, right? Um, you know, we would take like maybe one vacation a year and that would be always to go to Costa Rica to visit family. So, um, you know, it was, uh, we okay. grew up always learning that, you know, money was an issue, you know, yep, yep, yep. it was scarce and that my parents had to make sacrifices for us. Mm -hmm. um, so I, in that, they also always ingrained the importance of getting an education. Yeah. You know, they yeah. felt that, you know, it's so important for you to finish college and be self-sustainable and be independent and, um, and not go through, through these financial um, restraints that, mm -hmm. that they went through. Yeah. and sacrifices they had to go through to give us a better life mm -hmm. so very, very humble beginnings yeah so you know in that um my dad's um industry i guess at the time when i was like 10 or 11 uh you know when it, it, it went scarce um and he uh was worried that he could no longer continue um you know paying for the mortgage and and giving us the things that he felt were important. Mm -hmm. um, they had tried, they had made sacrifices to, to put us in a small little private school in the neighborhood, um, it, you know, and, and they couldn't uh, barely afford that. So mm -hmm. um, that shows how much they really cared though, the private school, like yeah. that is higher level education that you're receiving. And a lot of people that just even have, you know, like regular nine to five jobs, they're not getting that act. They're not getting that education or like their children aren't getting that mm -hmm. education, but your parents valued that that much. Absolutely. And Incredible. They, they valued it so that they obviously sacrificed a lot of other areas in order to put us in, in this, in that school. And so it was getting to a point where he wasn't getting enough work and he was worried that he was no longer going to be able to provide for us in that way. Uh, we were also getting older. My sister was going to high school and that tuition would have been even more expensive. And they also, they also didn't know how to tap into resources, you know, like how so? I, I felt like my parents looking back, you know, they, probably were afraid of expressing themselves and they, they were like, you know, they had a language barrier, you know, and the language barrier, I think, um, limited them to be able to go out there and find like scholarships or some other sort of yes. uh, resources that maybe could have helped us. Organizations that are helping yeah. minorities. Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of, a lot of times, it, we just don't know that these things exist, you know, or we don't know how to tap into them. Exactly. And, and so I think at that point they felt very alone. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the support. And my dad 
felt the best thing for them to do was to relocate back to Costa Rica. Yeah, so you were at this point in seventh grade? Yeah, in seventh grade. In seventh grade, and you were going, you got this news about going back. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, up until this point, when it comes to the struggle that you were seeing every single day of your parents trying to provide, trying to you know, create a, a comfortable setting as, po- as much as possible. How do you think this affected you, like mentally, like at this early age, like what were you thinking? You know, I was always thinking, I, I want better. You know, I, I want to be able to, mainly not for myself, it was mainly for them. You know, I, I felt like I needed to get ahead in life to be able to help my parents, to be able to tell my dad, hey, dad, you know, you don't need to work in the roof anymore. You know, like he works like eight hour days in the roof and he's still doing it today. And it's a dangerous job too. It is actually my uncle um, that did the same line of work and he fell from a roof and was was paralyzed. Oh no. So, um, so yeah, it is a dangerous job. It is a hard job to be out in the Miami hot sun eight hours a day. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how he did it all these years. You he know, did it for you guys. He <laughs> did it for us. So yeah. it's, you know, when I think well, about it, it's very emotional to see Absolutely. what you, parents do for their children. Yes, it's incredible. And so, I, I actually, I admire, when I was listening to your story on your, um, on your speech and mic drop, um, very similar stories. I can relate to a lot of the things that you that you were saying because of the um, being in, like having one room like you're renting out like I was also like with my mom and my sisters like in one Mm -hmm. room like it's just things that make you stronger things that show you from a young age what hard work is Mm -hmm. what life is all about and you know it was kind of in a way things that helped to give you that that strength with what you were about to be presented with later on in life Absolutely. absolutely so your family your parents decided to that the best decision was to move to Costa Rica. Why was that? And how did you take it? Well, we didn't take it well. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't ask us, you know, it's something that obviously we were at the time, I was 12, 13 years old. Um, My brother was, you know, maybe like six and my sister was just a year older than me. So, you know, they had already discussed this between themselves and they felt that was the right decision for us. And I remember when they sat us down and they told us what they had decided. And we were just in disbelief. You know, I mean, the first thing I thought about was my friends, you know, my environment, uh, the language, because even though we spoke to my parents in Spanish, it was a very broken Spanish. You know, it wasn't, the, we didn't really know how to read it and write it properly. Um, and we had gone to Costa Rica on occasions, you know, on vacation, and that was very fun. But living there was a completely different situation, you know, and I mean, it, it, it is a third world country and we weren't used to uh, that, the culture, um, you know, and living in that uh, environment full time. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like we went over there and actually had a better lifestyle. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because your parents, you know, they wanted, they were, they were teaching you these lessons of 
when you were younger, so working hard, you know, get a good education, get ahead in life. But then moving to third world country, you'd think the opposite would happen, right? So yeah, and it didn't. It actually it was a lot harder because my dad,、um, I guess in his mind, he would be working in the states and then be able to send money. Uh, to us, for my mom to be able to live、gotcha. comfortably in Costa Rica. So we used to have a very united family, and then all of a sudden we were living completely separate, separate. right, from my dad. And my、yes. mom was taking care of the household a hundred percent. Yes. And so I could see their struggle, you know, with their marriage. You know, my mom having to take care of the entire like responsibility for the three of us, and then my dad coming every three months. For a couple of weeks, and then、wow. going back, yes, you know. So he always envisioned that he would save enough money to start a business in Costa Rica, and that never happened, you、yeah. know. So,、yeah. so yeah, I could see how it actually affected us as a family, and、yeah. and then it also affected us. I mean, we, the financial situation did not get resolved. It was still present. It was、know? still a struggle. So how was how was life in Costa Rica, and what were some of these challenges that you faced, like with because you weren't reading, you couldn't read or write in Spanish, you could speak it, but you know going to school and now you're having to keep up with that level of of education. Like how was all this experience, like your friends? Oh, that was that was very very rough, and we had a lot of resentment. Like we didn't want to adapt to life, right? We are these teenage, young teenagers, upset about the moving situation, upset about leaving our friends, our you know everything that we knew was our life behind, and here we were resisting to change.、Um, you know, I remember every time they'd sing the national anthem, I would be like, "No, this is not my country," you know, <laughs> and I would, I would, I would refuse to sing it, you know, like when I first moved there, I was just so angry. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at life. I was like, "This isn't fair," you know.、Um, and you were twelve at this yeah, time. Okay. Yeah, I was twelve, thirteen. I think I was yeah between twelve, thirteen years old,、mm-hmm. and and I, I we. We we didn't have a period to adjust. We literally had to start school, you know, right after moving, and we didn't. My parents couldn't afford to put us in an all English school, so we had to go to an all Spanish school, and they didn't have any transition or special program, you know, how they do here in the states that you have a、um, uh, a language. Maybe like some sort of remedial. Yes, immersion, immersion classes or something. Yeah, I didn't. They didn't, none of that exists over there.、Mm-hmm. So we had to hire like a tutor. I had to like get help,、um, you know, to learn Spanish properly. And you know, my you know the friends that I met at school always thought I talked funny because of my accent. Yes. Right. And、um, your American accent. Yeah, so I had so it's funny because I had some some kids were like really cool, like oh she's American, how cool, and they'd want to be my friends, and other people were like oh my she's American, like I don't want to talk to her. Yeah,、know? yeah. So, Sometimes they think we think we're better. Yeah, It, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So so that was a little bit of a challenge. Um, um, I had to. Um, I was very close to failing. Um, eighth grade when I got there. And、um, luckily, they gave you an opportunity to retake some class, some、uh, exams at the end of the school year.、Um, and I, I w- had to study the entire summer, and I had to literally,、um, you know, see a, a 
Spanish tutor and see a math tutor and see a, a in study uh, civics and social studies. Because um, that was another thing. I didn't know any of the history of the country. So I had to learn all of that, you know, yes. and, and luckily I was able to pass that, those, those exams, those, those, uh, those final exams and, and, you know, get my door into ninth grade. But my sister wasn't so fortunate, fortunate. And she, unfortunately, she failed uh, the, the, the school year. And so, so she was a year uh, ahead of me. And then when she failed, we were both in the same in the same, same year. grade. Yes. And she, for a long time, she resented that. She didn't like that. You know, she felt, she felt, um, you know, it, it discouraged her. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Because so, she's trying to set an example, I'm sure, as an older sister. Oh yeah, and like, who would who wants to yeah. fail a grade? You yeah. know, and and with all those obstacles and all these challenges that we were going through, I mean, it was just another layer of. You know. Absolutely. Well, I, a th the thing is that also, like, you, since you guys had been raised from a young age, like prioritizing education, right? And how that yeah. is kind of like a bit of, it's like you, it's like you're kind of like a bit of your worth is in that education and how mm -hmm. far you get ahead. So I can understand these challenges that you were going through where you were, you were feeling incompetent in a, in a world just yeah. because you were throwing in something without preparation, right? Mm -hmm. How that could have made you, how cut, could have just made you feel oh, just, you know, bad. Yeah, bad. and like pa powerless, powerless, you know? Yeah, it was like, um, oh my gosh, like what more could we go through? I mean, this is already like enough, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was hard to see my sister mm. go through that. That was rough. Um, I know that for many years that she had, you know, that was, something that she carried, carried and that, um, you know, thank God, thank God she's over that. But I know at the time it was a struggle for her. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so yeah, that was, that was a re really challenging part also. Um, how did you guys all um, cope in your own ways? How did you guys find some sort of release, some sort of, you know, just comfort in you know, dealing with this? You know, my sister and I, because my mom then started working in Costa Rica, um, we had a lot more time to ourselves. So we started just uh, misbehaving. We started like going out and sneaking out. And, you know, we, um, we started getting boyfriends. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, I had, you know, boy be interested in me at the time. That was, I felt really good, you know, and I had always been like a little tomboy growing up and, you know, I, at, when I was younger, I needed braces. So I got made fun of a lot and, you know, my parents couldn't afford braces for me when I was younger. So, mm -hmm. so just the fact that a boy was interested in me yeah. just made me feel good. Yeah. You know, it brought my self-esteem up. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could identify with someone in Costa Rica, mm -hmm. you know, and like I had some sort of refuge, you know, in, in, in having a boyfriend. Having so, a boyfriend. so my sister did the same thing. So we both just really, you know, I, I don't think we, I don't think we conscientiously did it to hurt my mother, but I think subconsciously we were acting up um, and we were, you know, doing whatever we wanted to do on the side, just, you know, just to kind of say like, screw it, you know, like screw you. You know, you guys put us in the situation um, and, 
we're going to just do this, what we want to do. Like this is how we are dealing with it. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I know that you were dating for some time and then some, something really intense happened. You missed your period. You were late. Yeah. So can you talk about that situation, that experience? So when that occurred, I, I was in denial. You know, I was like, this is just a scare. I mean, I'd had a scare before, you know, like that okay. you think you are and you're not. And so when initially I, I found out that I had missed my period, I, I thought that it was temporary, that, you know, it wasn't really going to happen. So I think in that age, we think that these things really can't happen to us. Yeah, you think you're, un you're untouchable. Yeah, yes. yeah. Or we're like, oh, it happens to other people, but it doesn't, it's not going to happen to me. You know, like I do have to um, say that I was reckless. I wasn't like responsible. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking any contraceptive pills. And, and it, it's not because my mom didn't talk to me about it. You know, sometimes people say, oh, well, probably her parents didn't, weren't open with her about sex and, um, you know, taking precautions. And that's not true. My mom had conversations about it. But at the time, I felt that if I told her that I needed to get pills, mm -hmm. that she would restrict me from going out. Gotcha. So, so you were 16 at this time? You were, dating this, you were dating your boyfriend at 15, 16. Correct. Right? And yeah. your parents knew that you had a boyfriend. Yes. And obviously they knew that there was a possibility there of, of intercourse. So they were having these conversations with you. As opposed to, I know many families, my family involved is it's like a taboo subject oh, <laughs> so it's like everything under the radar nobody speaks about that subject <laughs> so the fact that you were they were telling you that's I mean that's a, a good start that's a good sign but I'm glad that you had that um but then yeah so you had your miss period and then you so were saying it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen obviously then, the weeks passed by and the more week time passed by the more I realized that it this this could be. And so I, I went with my boyfriend to a clinic very close to my house. And I said, we need to get a blood exam just to be a hundred percent sure. And when he did, when we did that, um, it, it was obviously a very um, tough moment for me because I, I knew I couldn't escape the reality anymore. I couldn't like avoid it. Um, I, immediately thought about my parents and how I was going to break that news to them and then how I was going to disappoint them. And that to me was really the hardest part to be able to t tell them what was going on and see their disappointment because that's immediately the first thing I thought of, um, you know, not being able to kind of fulfill um, my, my goals and my dreams of, you know, finishing college and, and being this like great profession you know, having this great profession. So in that moment when you found out you were pregnant and you got that card, you were feeling, you were feeling fear and sadness because of the disappointment you knew. What other thoughts were, your, were going through your head when you, when you found out like within yourself and other things about maybe, you know, your upbringing? What other thoughts were going through your head? Well, I was disappointed in myself. I was like, you know, how could I not have taken care of myself better or made better choice? Um, you know, what's going to happen with 
my high school? You know, how am I going to be? Um, I couldn't even like understand just the whole, you know, being, being pregnant. And I was even scared of that, like being pregnant and giving birth, you know, I mean, I can't, I couldn't even imagine that. And, and then I also thought about other options, you know, like all these things were just going in my head, you know, and then about my boyfriend and what he wants and what am I going to do about this relationship and what am I going to do about the pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, am I going to keep the baby? Am I going to eat, you know, but that- it was just too much to even like understand. Like, I couldn't even comprehend what I was that's, getting myself into. That's a lot to deal with being 16 years old. Yeah. So in that moment, because this is the question of all time for women that, that find out they're pregnant as a, you know, especially in, in teenage years, were you considering abortion at that point? Absolutely. I was because if they just, you know, what I, the little I knew about abortion, obviously I, I wasn't like fully in, un, engaging in, in like what abortion was or the procedures or anything like that. You know, at that age, you're not really, you know, exposed to that information. Um, but I immediately thought of that being an alternate um, solution that could get my life back in place. So you, at that time didn't think it would be possible to have the baby and to still get your dream no. of being an architect. You didn't think you could do both. No. I mean, I, I, first of all, everything that I, that I knew about in society about how women were treated that were pregnant was, oh, this girl's life is over. Um, you know, or it was just frowned upon. There was no, nobody says, Oh, wonderful news. We, you're 16 and you're pregnant. Like nobody says that, you know? So, so yeah, I was worried about how society was going to treat me. I was worried about my family, about my friends, you know, what everything. And I know that now in life, you shouldn't be worried about what people think about you. But at that time, when you're 16 years old, yes. you know, that plays a big influence, what your family thinks about you, what your friends think about you, how society treats you. Yeah, no, definitely. It matters because not only is it more of like a mental and emotional thing, but it's also of like, where's the support going to be, right? So if the friends are not thinking well about you or society isn't and the neighbor isn't, then the support is probably not going to be there. Exactly. So I think, I think in, in, I think, unintentionally, that lack of support and lack of, of, hey, you know, um, encouragement, um, it kind of puts us into that, into the, that avenue of there, this is not possible. You know, this is frowned upon. This is negative. Like, this is not something that I should be doing. Yeah. And if there's so much talk and opinions on how this one detail is going to be the end of your life and it's going to be the one reason you don't get ahead, then you're just going to feel mm-hmm. defenseless and helpless. Like you're going to feel like you can't, like it's just with everyone around you is saying that. Right. And so that, and I want to actually ask you on your personal, with your personal experience, because you went through this mm-hmm. when you were 16 years old and you found out, and I know that you had to have this talk with your dad. 
and your yeah. mom, right? Yeah. And so I'd love, I'd love for you to tell us about how they reacted, but I also want to, I want you to tell us about the mindset of the people around you at this time, the, the family members, the community that you were um, living in. Like, what was their, what were they, what was their feedback regarding your um, expected success? Well, I remember, um, I didn't tell my parents immediately, you know, it took a while and it was, I was getting to a point where I think I told them until like three or four months because I, I didn't, I was, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to approach them. And my mom was always the stricter parent and I was scared. I was scared of her reaction and my dad wasn't there all the time. So that's right. You know, so I eventually my dad came into town and there had already been some rumors in the neighborhood. Um, I guess maybe uh, my boyfriend had mentioned something maybe to his relative or something, you know, something happened where, you know, rumors yes. spread. And then it yeah. came, came into the ears of my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad um, actually was the one who asked me, you know, let's go outside. Let's have a talk. Let's walk around the, the block. And I want to talk to you. So I kind of, knew that if he wanted to talk to me that it was for something serious so I knew that he I was worried that he may know the truth and when we walked outside and we're talking he he basically asked me you know he told me he had heard rumors that I was pregnant and he wanted to know if that was true and that was kind of my opportunity you know I couldn't lie to him and I just, I broke down and I, and I told him, yes, that I was pregnant. And, you know, it's, you know, seeing my dad's face and like, that was, that was tough. So, you know, you could hear him like his sigh of, you know, like, I can't imagine being on his end and, you know, having to think about, you know, your daughter and, you know, where you think that she's taking on this big challenge, you know, and you don't know how to, how to help them, you know, and he was very supportive. He said that um, whatever, you know, I wanted that, that whatever it is that I chose to do, that he would support it. Um, But he did also think about, about abortion as an option. He did. Yeah. I mean, and he's like, you know, maybe this is, maybe this will, you know, help you get back on your feet and you can continue going to college and pursuing, you know, whatever it is that you want to pursue uh, professionally. And, you know, I was talking to him and I said, you know what, dad, I think that that could be an option, you know? So we both, I think in that trying to support each other, we were finding the path of least resistance. Exactly. Yeah. And he didn't want you to also go through this challenging experience that he knew you would go through of having a baby at 16 and having to be there for that baby. And he wanted, you know, you to, you to aspire to be so much more. Exactly. So he, you know, in his way that, that was his way of supporting me, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, when, well then when, once we got closer to the house, he's like, okay, well, you know, you have to talk to your mom. Yeah, I, that was really what the part I really dreaded, you know, because I didn't know how she was going to react. And, 
you know, when I went up to the, to the house and, you know, he said, you know, you know, my mom's name is Liliana. So she's like, Liliana, you know, your daughter needs to talk to you and needs to tell you something. You know, she, I told her, you know, mom, I'm pregnant. And she completely started crying, you know, and she started like, she was upset and she had so many emotions, you know, like, how could you, you know, we've talked to you about protecting yourself and, you know, you know, this is like, you can't go back. You know, like, how could you be so irresponsible? And, you know, she, you know, it was hard. It was hard to hear it. It was hard to hear it from my mom. It was hard to see her uh, reaction and her getting upset and crying. It was like all these emotions at one time, you know, she's crying, Absolutely. she's upset, you know, she's disappointed, um, you know, and I can't, I'm helpless. I can't. I can't do anything at the yeah, moment about it. Exactly. And so, um, what was her decision, her final decision when it came to? We proposed the idea, baby. my dad and I, right? We're like yeah. a tag team, like, hey, you know, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> dad and I were thinking that maybe I can go to, to, to Miami and, you know, maybe we can, I can take care of this, you know, in that way and get an abortion and then everything, I can go back to school and everything's just back to normal. And my mom said, no, you're not. You're not. Mm -mm. She says, you're taking responsibility. Yep. She's mm. like, you made these choices. You mm. are going to be responsible. And you are not going to get rid of that baby. Wow. And I actually got upset. Yeah. Because I, I thought, imagine. how could she make that decision for me? For you. Exactly. Like, this is my body. Mm-hmm you know, and how could she purposefully make my life harder? Exactly. Knowing it's going to be harder, having had three yeah. kids herself. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, do you but, know what her, her thinking behind that was? You know, I think she, obvi she obviously values life, but I think it was about being responsible. I think it was about being accountable, being responsible. You know, um, I don't think she felt that it was, that it was right, a right way to deal with, with life. Yeah. Like in general, you know, mm. that you could just find an easy way out of things. Okay. Yeah. I think just the, the principle, you know, I think, I think a lot of things probably in her mind, but, but I, I genuinely think she, she wanted me to face my decisions. Yes. Head on. And the thing is that though, they were also ready to support you through it. Well, that too. I mean, they obviously were going to be there for me. They said, listen, we're going to be here for you. You're not going to be abandoned. You know, we're going to support you in every way we can. Mm -hmm. And we're going to figure out a way to make this work. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So because that's really important. Yes, absolutely important. And it's a lot. It's what a lot of women don't get. And mm -hmm. if anything, that's what adds to that statistic. But Absolutely. you did. You had it. And so moving forward, I mean, you went through your pregnancy. You had the baby. But you also finished high school. And you went on to do bigger and greater things. So can you tell us that experience? Like, how was it for you going through, trying to get that education, graduate, and um, get your life together, even being a young mother? 
you know, going through the pregnancy was really hard. Um, I had, I had to, you know, get out of the high school I was in because it was a co-ed high school and, you know, obviously they didn't accept, you know, pregnant women, pregnant young women in the, in school. They didn't accept them. No, it wasn't like it was, um, you know, at that time my parents had put me in a private school and it just wasn't, you know, something that just, yeah, they were trying to, sh- it was taboo. They were yeah, trying exactly. to shun it. it. It was taboo. And I don't think other parents were, would be accepting of that either. Um, mm. You know, it's that whole thing, that whole stigma and that, that whole shows, thing of yeah. society, yep. you know? And so I had to retreat, you know, and I had to study at home. I had mm. to go and buy, you know, books to study. And I had to go register and take the exams um, to pass high school at home. You know, so that was really hard because I see my sister, you know, going to school still, having fun with her friends or going out at night. And here I am. I'm pregnant. I have to study at home. I don't have a social life anymore. A lot of my friends who I thought were friends, their parents told them not to talk to me anymore. Wow. You know, I had a really close uh, friend of mine and her parent. And then she just once I told them what was going on and I was pregnant she stopped talking to me because they thought you were a bad example. It's funny because they're probably all doing the same things that led you to get pregnant. But the only thing is that, that I got pregnant, that you got pregnant and they didn't. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so that was very hurtful. You know, I couldn't understand that. And I, that to me, when I needed support the most, um, I was getting a lot of rejection and people talking bad about me behind my back you know, the neighborhood, you know, you could hear people like whispering, like, oh, you know, that poor girl, she's not gonna, her life is over, you know, she's not gonna finish, she's not gonna finish high school, she's not gonna go to college. You know, I had even some family members, I had rifts with some family members because of it. Um, And it was just, yes, just from a society standpoint, even when I would go to the nurse to get checked, Mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would hear the nurses like, even criticizing in me in front of me, like, oh, this is what you get for playing house. Wow. You know, so, so yeah. So imagine, you know, you're going through this pregnancy. And it's supposed to be a joyous moment. That's what what I was going to say. It was not a happy moment for me. Yeah. I couldn't really enjoy my pregnancy because of all of this pressure and negativity Um, you know, people frowning upon me and talking about me and criticizing me, like my choice to keep this baby and go through life with the baby was the end of the world. Yeah. And they would probably judge you just as much if you decided to abort. Yeah, probably. But you know what the abortion, the abortion is? Nope. As long if I don't say anything, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Exactly. But then you just have to deal with it for the rest of your life. So I have to deal with it internally. Yeah. In right. this time when you were dealing with this, with all of these, this noise around you, everybody talking about you, like, did you ever doubt that you would be able to get ahead? Did you believe that what they were saying? Because you were working on graduating for a reason, right? Yeah, to- I, wanted, I wanted to prove them wrong. I mm. wanted to prove everybody wrong. I said, I am not going to be a statistic. I don't want, I'm going to show everyone, for everyone that's ever said anything bad about me. I am going to show them that I can do it, you know? I love that. That that was really 
what gave me the drive at that age to kind of push forward. You know, I still wanted to fulfill my promise to my parents that I would be a college graduate, you know, yeah. and that I would someday be able to help them financially. Absolutely. You had a bigger purpose, a bigger vision that you were focused on than everything else going on around you. Exactly. I love that. So, so it was, it was a lot of willpower. It was hard, you know, um, but I, I was finally, I was able to finish high school on time, like mm -hmm. everyone else. Oh. Um, and, and then my parents, my parents helped me a lot through that, through that phase because, you know, my mom, even though she was working, she was helping take care of, you know, my daughter once my daughter was born so that I could go to school part-time, right? Cause I, I enrolled in, in college and they helped support me with that and, I couldn't go full time like most people, but I could take two or three classes a, a semester. And, you know, those days that I needed to go to school, my mom would help me in, by taking care of my baby. And she, was, that, was that in Costa Rica? I was in Costa Rica. Okay, that was in Costa yeah. Rica. Because yeah. you did go to college, you continued that when you came to the, back to the States, right? Correct. Yeah, my sister, my sister had already graduated high school, and she had decided that she wanted to go come back to the states because she thought there was better opportunities for her to get a job and and go you know go to college here. And so um, she had already left, and I could see that you know she already had a job and she already had a car and and she was going to um, you know to Miami Dade or I think FIU at the time. And so I saw her kind of putting her life together in the States. And um, I was slowly but surely thinking that I could do that, that I could go over there and do that for myself and, and for my daughter. So, um, so I did eventually decide to, to move back. And she was, your daughter was two at the point when you decided that, right? Yeah, she was two years old. And I had already done a couple of courses in architecture here in Costa Rica. And so I, I was able to take some of that back over there and, and get that validated. Um, but it, it was hard. I had to pay to get my transcripts transcribed and I had to get, go and, and take an SAT test and, you know, do all these little like hurdles that I had to just to even register to school here. So I had to learn a lot of that by myself because my parents didn't know anything about the education system you know? Yeah, they didn't. And so you were 18 when that happened. You moved here and you were yeah. figuring everything out. And I know that you got, there was something that happened that you were able to receive because you were such a hard worker. I mean, that's what really admired, that made me admire um, you because you didn't know what you were like, you didn't know where to start either. I mean, you were, you know, you left, you left this country when you were 12. Yeah. Right. And then there are opportunities over there are so different from over here. Mm -hmm. And so the preparation, what you're taught at school, it's completely different. Absolutely. And then you come here and you're like, now what am I going to do? And it's just like, it's a little things here and there. You're doing admin work, whatever you could get your mm -hmm. hands on. But then there was that one opportunity that you got and you just ran with it. Can you tell us about that? Well, obviously I, you know, I had to learn to, you know, work, have work ethic and things like that. So I did start doing, doing the admin work and, and I started working as a receptionist for a law firm. Um, they were very supportive of me. Um, I would take classes at night, you know, I do the full time. And then at five o'clock, I would drive an hour and a half of traffic to go to school. Sometimes I'd have to drive two hours because depending on the classes, I'd have to go to another campus. So, um, 
so yeah, it took a long time. You know, it, it wasn't an, uh, it wasn't a fast process. And some of, the, and also I didn't, like I said before, I didn't know that there was programs or resources that could help yes. me. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I was kind of doing this on, on my own. The hardest way possible. Yeah. So you were working your, your full-time schedule mm-hmm. and you were taking classes. You said about two to three classes a semester because yeah. it was all you could do. And that was right after work. Yeah. Right. And you carry this out for how long? Oh my gosh. I think for like seven years. Wow. So from 18 to 25. Yeah. In the meantime, your daughter is growing up and you had family that was helping you with your daughter. I did. I did. And that's the other, like, like we've said before, it's the family support, the family support. My grandmother was here. And so my grandmother would help Mm. me take care of her. You know, she would, they would pick her up after school for me. And then that's what allowed me to go to school after work. So incredible. That was a lot of hard work. Yeah. And a lot of, and, and the support, you know, yeah, I needed support. that support because um, I look at uh, other young women in my situation that may not have that support. And that could be a very um, limiting factor. Yeah. Very know, discouraging. On, yeah. So you went through the seven years and you progressed and you progressed and you progressed and it was hard and I'm sure you had many nights and you're like, oh my goodness, like this is too much. My daughter's crying over here. I'm not able to be there as much as I want to be. You know, I felt guilty for a long time. I felt guilty that I could not be this PTA mom that could go to the ceremonies, that could go do extracurricular activities. I didn't have that flexibility. I had to focus so much on school and I had to work. And I, for a long time, I felt bad about that you know, that I I didn't have that time that other parents do to just um, spend quality time with their kids. So my question to you is, what was it that kept you going? Why was, what was your reason for doing all of this? You know, it turned out now that it wasn't just to prove a point. It wasn't just to prove, it was for now my daughter. It was to give her a better quality of life. I love that. So it wasn't just about me anymore and proving people wrong, and I can do this, and helping my parents. Now it, it was more, a more, now it's more focused on my daughter, what I wanted to instill in her, how I wanted her to see me, um, and then what I wanted to be able to provide for her. So your daughter changed your life in many ways. Absolutely. She made me a um, more responsible person, you know, I had to struggle with that growing up with my mom and me trying to be a young, young adult, you know, wanting to party and wanting to do all these things. And my mom, she was the one that kept me grounded. She was the one that would say, wait a minute, you can't do all of that. You have to remember you have your daughter you have to think about, which was hard at that age. Yes. At 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. It, it's a but many, struggle. Many people don't even know how to make a meal. Exactly. <laughs> 21 years old to cook or to do their laundry. Exactly. So my mom yeah. was always, my mom was not, um, you know, she wouldn't um, permit me to just go out and not, and oh, you know, leave my daughter behind, you know, like she would always like, wait a minute, you know, she did, you know, she allowed me to go out sometimes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like I could do whatever I want. 
exactly but it was a learning process you had i mean yeah. it was it's not i don't think it's something that you'll immediately and i'm sure that in the beginning it it it, it does change because maybe at some points it's like oh this is this is important. I have, it's my priority. And then other times you're like, but I really need a break. I really need oh, to yeah. go out, you know, like, absolutely. It's, you you want to be young and you want to yeah. be, you know, you're trying to navigate through life. I'm growing. I'm trying to learn about life too. Yes. I'm not an adult at which this is what, point, which is know? what you said about your daughter is that you guys basically were able to grow together. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's essentially what happened. You know, we grew together. Um, she can probably remember me doing homework and, you know, going to school and, you know, just the fact that she was there to see me graduate, you know, that's something that a moment that I can actually uh, share with her. I love that. So you she know? saw you graduate. You graduated. Yes, I graduated. After seven, six, seven years, Yes. you that- got your degree. And what was that degree in for you to it, get? It was in architecture. In architecture. I got a bachelor in architecture. And you had that dream from when? Oh my gosh, since I was like 10 years old. 10 years old. That was the one thing that you wanted. And then all of this happened. You moved. You were failing. You got pregnant. You got ridiculed and doubted. And you pulled through. And I did it. You're amazing. Thank you. You're so amazing. It, wow. was, it was incredible. And, and it, it felt so amazing to be able to just be there and, you know, be the first in my family, you know, uh, for, to have a college education and, you know, to look at my parents and just thank them for everything that they did for me, because that's one of the main reasons why I was able to do that. And then also thank my mom for being that person to say, no, you, you can do this and you can do this with your baby, you know? And that's why I was there graduating with my daughter at hand because of her. Yeah. You see, what I've noticed is that many times we doubt ourselves. And in those moments, we need someone who believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And your mom was that for you and your dad too. Your your immediate family was that for you. They were. They were very supportive. My my sister was very supportive. My brother. Um, they have a very special bond with my daughter. You know, it's almost like she like my mom sees her like a daughter. You know, and my my mom and dad, both of them, and and my brother and sister, they have been amazing aunts and uncles for her. Amazing. They have a very deep bond. I'm so happy that you had this to get through what you were, this, this hand that you were dealt that anybody really, it could happen to anyone. It could happen to anyone. And the only difference is the choice of, of keeping the baby, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to live with, with raising the baby and also trying to do something out of your life still, when it, which is you've shown us completely possible. But I want you to tell us what is then your message to young mothers out there and their families and why this message that you're saying, why does it matter? You know, my message is for the young women that are in that situation that may have just found out they're pregnant or that may be pregnant and and are going through this, these harsh moments where people are, you know, doubting them, 
um, I want to be that example. I want to show them because there's not that many examples out there of young women that have gone through this and that can say, hey, I did it and you can do it too. You know, and so I want to be that example for them so that they can still continue having their dreams, continue aspiring, shooting for, you know, anything, anything that they want to accomplish is still there. It's still possible. Um, just because you're pregnant or you choose to have the baby does not mean that your life is over. Now, is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy, but life isn't easy. Yeah. You know, and whether it's this or something else, you're going to come across another challenge in life. You yeah. know, but I, I want them to feel inspired and I want them to know that they can do it. And the message to their families. And the message to their families is that these girls need your support. Yeah, absolutely. These girls need your support. If you want them to, to really aspire to whatever it is that they want to do, you need to be their support. You know, you need to be their, their support, their strength. You need to provide them that strength. Because yeah. right now they're scared. You know, they don't know um, how to handle the situation. Yeah. You know, they need, they need that love. They need yeah. that understanding. They need that encouragement. Um, because without those things, um, we're just going to be pressured to go another way. Yeah. In a way that possibly is not the way we really want. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, you know, I respect like women's choices, but I, I do want women to see that having the baby does not end in a negative way. Yeah. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, yes. you know, and it's all really up to you. Yeah, no. I, I think that's a great message because what we've seen through your experience is that not only was it, what not only is it possible, but the, that support of the family and the, you know, your, your brother and sister and just how everybody was there for you and then for your baby, how that played a big role, you know, in, in having that be possible for you and that you're now you're now living this life that you've always dreamt of which is an incredible thing and so it's very important to tell people out there it that it's possible you know that but but also to the families please support your children please support them please respect them because the emotions that you're probably dealing with of disappointment of doubt of anger of fear your child is probably experiencing that in three times four times over oh yeah absolutely and especially in that moment, you know, where we think that there really is no hope yeah. because I really did think that there was no hope. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so having that is critical. And yeah. I actually recently was, um, became in contact with a nonprofit organization uh, called Our Mother's Home and they're located in Fort Myers. And I didn't realize that there are programs, but this program, what I really like about this is that they are actually supporting uh, young teen moms that are in the foster program. Wow. So these are young mothers that have no family. They have no support. Wow. So this organization helps 
these moms, they put them in, they have a home in Fort Myers that uh, they let them stay in and they let them stay in there with their babies. So they help them to, um, you know, finish high school and, and potentially go to college. That's incredible. You know, I'll add that. I'll add that in the show notes to the information if yeah, of this organization. Yeah. You know, and so I, I felt so, you know, connected with them because I feel, wow, you know, these girls don't have the support that I had. They don't have a family. They don't have a mother and a father and a brother and a sister uh, that are there rooting for them, supporting them, lifting them up. How could it be to, I can't even imagine how much harder their life is because of that. And so, you know, to me, it's very, now I'm very passionate about supporting those type of organizations that, that are helping these young women that don't have that support that I had. Absolutely. No, I believe that that's an incredible, incredible purpose and mission to get involved in those things. And that's beautiful that you do because I mean, you're showing that on one side it is possible, but the, but also just being there, being able to relate in that way of being young, being scared, feeling like there was, there was no hope, right? Being able to connect with them and motivate them. I think that's beautiful for you to be a part of that. And Daisy, I want to thank you so, so much for being on here today and sharing your story and being completely open and honest about what you went through and the challenge that you, that you experienced, but that you pulled through and that you're sharing this, this example to the world that you can do this when presented with, you know, when being pregnant at an early age. And thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, Lori. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the platform to speak and to be able to share that with others. So I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, so I'll get the information for the organization um, that you're talking about. Um, let me know if there's any other way that will mm -hmm. that I can provide help or that we can provide help as an audience. And, um, and I'll make sure that I can connect all of those pieces together. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And to everybody else, thank you so much for listening to this episode until next time. That concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, feel inspired and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the relentless minds podcast via the link in the show notes or visit Lori Thank you so much for listening until next time.